Why, hello there. If you don't already recognize my sultry voice, this is DJ Art of the High Score 510 Podcast. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening to our show. Second of all, I want to remind you with a shameless plug of our Patreon page. Join our growing community and help support an indie podcast. The perks of being a patron, you ask? Why, Jesus, will bless you. So go check out patreon.com backslash highscore510. And for the price of a tall pumpkin spice latte, you can help DJ Art get the newest choker from Claire. Wait, who, who wrote this? Who wrote, who wrote this? Seriously. That's fucked up, man. This isn't a choker. It's, it's real pearls, bitch. Regardless of which, we appreciate your support and hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to High School 5 where real talk is our vernacular. Once I start talking Illuminati and conspiracy <laughs> theories, I, I'm really good about shutting down the conversation. Well, you know, Kanye um, probably has something to do with uh, putting the blood in the soles of those little Nas X devil shoes. You know, that's gave him a status symbol so he can snatch people's souls. Pie like the white man was a keeper. Ever since Kanye says George W. Bush don't care about black people, it's been a slow into a very fast descent of his character. And over the course of the last 15 years, you know, they've been slowly chipping away at him, you know, and then he married a Kardashian. Then, you yeah. know, he's been, been doing- But that's part of the sacrifice too. You get a Kardashian and the sacrifice. Oh, that's part of it. Oh yeah, that's part of it. They give you a Kardashian. You get some of this succubus booty. Yeah. <laughs> it's Kardashians, shoe contract, and invitation to the White House. Those three are part of the Illuminati, uh, Illuminati trifecta. Aaron, I gotta call you out for liking LeBron James. What? I'm gonna call you out for being a LeBron James fan. Why? What'd he do? Because you always, me and Pedro was talking and we came to realization. You always get mad about, you know, how A, you affecting the game and how. Yo, you, you came, don't drag me into it. Pedro was here and you always getting mad about how, you know, the NBA and the league is full of just a bunch of mediocre players, three and D guys. And it's like the new fad is being a three and D guy, right? Yep. And LeBron loves them. Yeah, who was one of the main uh, uh, pushers of 3 and D guys because of LeBron. the way he played? LeBron. So your boy LeBron over here been 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 basically just propagating 3 and D guys, turning uh, players who maybe wouldn't just be 3 and D guys into 3 and D guys. It's like he's like the bibbidi-bobbidi-boot motherfucker just turning them into rabbits and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Just, ding, you a 3 and D guy. You going to play with me? Ding, 3 and D guy. So your boy LeBron James is a, um, what would you say? He's a 3 and D pusher. He's a uh, he's a sorcerer of the dark arts of three and D guys. Um, so yeah, man, that's your, that's your dude, Aaron. So from now on, I want to hear you talking bad about your boy LeBron James every time you get mad about three and D guys. Man, he bring him on the team, but he ain't the one that's sitting out here exploring. Him. He ain't the one creating statistics. Last I know, LeBron ain't got no ain't got no major in mathematics or multi calculus variables. Well, right? know, the problem is those teams that get those guys who said. You need three and D guys to win. LeBron terraforms a, a team. He terraforms it to what, whatever his ultimate power. He gets them paid. He gets who paid? The three and D guys. They well, you should be mad. Use that even more reason for you to be mad, Aaron, because he he getting, th- he getting three and D guys paid, and everyone else is like, man, all I gotta do is be a three and D guy. I get paid. Nah, exactly. see that's the problem. See, he affecting the money too, Aaron. You should be mad at him. You should be calling him yeah. out. Yeah, and that nigga owe me five dollars. Pedro, I need a letter. Let's go with the infamous uh, W. W. Woefully wilting or wondrous. Willowing white woman. Wonderful white woman. (laughs) Wondrous white woman. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the Twitter. Also at the dot com and check us out at patreon.com backslash high score five one oh to access our exclusive content. We are here with 
Uh, this is Aaron Grayson, also known as AG3, coming at you faster than the Georgia trooper grabbing that black lady from knocking on the governor's door. <laughs> they grabbed her faster than, uh, than, than you would see OJ getting kicked out of Spago's. <laughs> Am I the only one aroused right now? Yes. And we are here with... Hello, everyone. It's your friendly captain. Everybody's favorite truck driver, Captain P-Funk. Coming to you faster than this invocata messing with my head. I don't know which one of you no good rotten, hard-headed niggas put your dirty hands on my walls. Uh, there we go. And my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of the Tink Tink. The D is signed, so it's just Jart. The most diabolical haters this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> I got a couple questions of the day. How's everybody doing today, though? Oh, uh, we're you know. making it, Jared. You know, just every day, every day with this sugar foot is a different day. Different day, a different toe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when that when that sugar foot comes for you, it always makes you think. Spread your cheeks and lift your sack. Uh, anyways, question of the day. Question of the day. First question of the day: Did the NFL play a trailblazing role? Did it groom? society to be accepting willfully of cancel culture. Jared, uh, you've reached this were, one now. Yeah, because they're the pioneer. I see what Jared's trying to go. Because they were the pioneer. He tried to. What was that? 1991, they had the Super Bowl here playing for Tempe. And, you know, Arizona didn't recognize MLK Day. That's why I moved here. Because I ain't going to let no nigga stop me from making no money. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, so they boycotted Arizona. It's like, nope, we're pulling it. We're pulling it out of uh, that state. You guys can't recognize a uh, true hero. Um, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to pull our festivities from your state. So I see where you're going from, Jared. But was it them or was it what NCAA North uh, but- Carolina created? Maybe NCAA is still using slave labor, though. So, you know, if so facto, I don't know if they really canceling anything uh, in that capacity. I guess I asked the question because you remember when Goodell took over and he started being like the the law and order commissioner. And over the past, you know, how long has he been commissioner for Aaron? I don't know. It's been over 20 years. Over 20 years. And and over the last 10 years in particular, he's been... um, super on you know this disciplinary action disciplining players for off-field behavior poor behavior bad behavior misbehaving however you want to qualify some of it's criminal right and so in that way in the scope that nfl has power influence on society i just you know this week had a you know not necessarily an epiphany but made a little connection of like you know i feel like cancel culture me too and then cancel culture has really blown up in the last few years and it feels kind of like part of that could have been influenced by the nfl and people becoming a customer being a, a normal you know cause cause and cause and reaction being seen of players in the nfl being doing something that's not that's looked down upon and then having some kind of consequence and having their their season canceled because they miss out on multiple games if not an entire season some players you know missed out on entire seasons because of poor behavior off the field that necessarily sometimes wasn't even criminal. I don't know, Jerry. I don't know. I see you trying to connect it. Uh, what you think? I thought you was talking about, I, I, the whole time I thought you was talking about uh, <laughs> Kaepernick? No, the voting rights thing. No, no, I'm not even getting to the voting rights thing. We'll get to that later. But, like, that was a big thing. Like, fools getting suspended. Fools getting suspended. Starting kind of with That wasn't for cancel. That was for them doing shit wrong, man. Some of them were doing shit wrong. Uh, I but, mean, he was the moral police, but they was doing shit wrong, Jerry. But but yeah, you just said moral police. There's a moral policing going on with cancel culture too. It's a moral policing. Like you, you have to yeah. you have to see it. You have to be perfect, right? You have to be almost perfect. Otherwise, if you say something that's off color or that doesn't agree with, you know, some people call it the mass left movement or just like this this woke this movement. Leftist movement. If you don't behave within those guidelines, you you know what I'm saying the moral police will come for you, right? See, the reason I say I think it's different because he was trying to he was trying to put a moral standard on a private entity, right? That they are all employees from, and there are different jobs and there are different in the private sector that does have morality clauses and things like that, and that's all he was trying to do. And most of his penalties was it was shit that you already were getting trouble with the law, right? 
you just got a little suspension or a little fine to go on top of it to say, hey, it's not acceptable. Or just, you have to at least try, right? Like, I mean, who was the first the first main victim of the NFL? Who's the first big one that got most of it? I remember who it was. Oh, uh, yeah, that was uh, Tom Brady. No, it was your boy. Come on, man. It was your boy. Uh, Ray Rice? No. Nope. Before him. It was a Blackman. Pac-Man Jones. Oh yeah, Pac-Man. Well, Pac-Man Jones. We know. We know. Pac-Man Jones. He was ignorant, and that was the morality. But look how it cleaned them up for at least you know the last twelve years or ten years he was in the league. He was clean as a whistle. He was not clean as a whistle. He was still doing. All right, maybe he was he he was clean clean as a as a he was clean as a whistle as a soccer referee's whistle on a muddy day on a mud field. He was that clean, which is a lot cleaner than he is without it. Another reason why, you know, what you said just triggers something that builds into my argument, though, or my my question. The NFL was trying to build in some kind of morality, yet the NFL was still having issues with covering up, disclosing the, the effects of concussions to their players, was also pushing opiates and other super addictive drugs on their players to get them to, you know, be able to play and causing them to, you know, deal with addiction issues, yet they were trying to you know, present some type of morality on the rest of the world. Same thing with this whole cancel culture. It's like you're trying to, you know, push this woke morality on the world about the way you can and can't be or how you can voice your opinions. And I'm not saying that some things still don't deserve to be canceled. Once again, I'm not saying some things don't need to be canceled. Some things do, but not everything, not the way it has been. Well, I don't see anything about cancel them, though. But they the just woke, give a penalty. But, but the cancel culture is not dealing with some of the underlying issues that are actually some of the core issues of some of the reasons why, you know, society has its ills, you know, saying the the, the issue with uh, socioeconomic uh, despair is, and, and, and disenfranchisement is a real thing. The economic uh, wage gap is a real thing. Racist and d- discriminatory legislation still being used and, and, and still being created is an issue. But yet we want to make sure we're putting this moral don't speak a certain way scope on things so we can feel good about the presentation of ourselves in society. Same way the NFL wants to feel good about its presentation that we are moral. We're not letting guys do drugs or, you know what I'm saying, get in fights on the street and abuse their women and, and this, that, those things. And I'm not saying that those, some of those things aren't important to like take a stance against. <laughs> what I'm saying is just like the cancer culture, some of those things are important to take a stance against, but there's underlying issues that go to the root of some of the issues that need to be attenuated to. And if they're not dealt with properly, the issues are still going to persist and you're going to just be a shiny little shell of something that still has a rotten inside. You know what I'm saying? I don't connect the two. Has cancer culture made society better? I, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not agreeing with cancer culture. I just don't connect these two things. Has suspending players in the NFL made the NFL better or, or more righteous? It's made it better. Those players are playing each week. I ain't got to read about them in the headlines. It don't. It don't feel like I do when I, I read an NC two A headline. Hey, I. You know what? Everybody wants a superhero. I don't. I don't care about superheroes. If you're there to play on Sunday, play on Sunday. If if you did something morally wrong, if you did something wrong, and it's criminal. Yeah, cancel out. Pay your dues. Whatever. I, I mean, yeah. don't cancel. Don't cancel. No, 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 no. Pay your dues to society. Pay yeah. your dues to society. When you come to talking about, like, let's say, for instance, uh, Aaron's cutting quarter shout out today, somebody just partying and stuff. I don't care if that's that's their life. I don't give a damn what they do. If you're there to if you're there to play a game, I'm, I'm tired of people looking through everybody's house like everybody's Christian. People, we got to talk to God. <laughs> you can't. There's there's no can. You can't cancel. You canceling people. You're getting away from. Um, just just being a person alone, like you don't have any sense. And so council culture just makes it seem like you're holier than thou. Yeah. I, I, I never I never liked it. That's just that's just my opinion on it. Uh, I mean, people like kids. Hey, kids, we're gonna make I made a lot of dumb mistakes, yeah, you know, as a child. And if you're gonna judge me on that now, you know what? I'm fine with it. But I'm not the same person. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like the time. NFL was canceling. I felt like they were just, you just had a punishment to try to, they were trying to stem some of the yeah. negative behavior that was happening. I'm not equating them players to... in the real world yeah. off, off the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they led the way in cancel culture. I think they I, primed I, us, though. I think they groomed society to be accepting of a sweeping, you know what I'm saying, just like retro, not retributive, but, but, but just like consequence canceling. Like you, you are getting a punishment, whether or not like, 
people think it's fair or not. Like, and I think that mm-hmm. is something that the NFL with this mass. Let's collect the bargaining. So it was fair. It, well, no, no, but it, it mm. well, you could, no, no, we could talk about the minutiae of what allowed it to happen. Yeah, that's a whole imp- other story. That's another, that's another, that's another <laughs> discussion. But what I'm saying collect is that. Bargains. No, no, but what I'm saying is that the fact that they, that they went, because because collectively bargained, they can still decide to engage in parts of those collectively bargained agreements or not. They can, they can still go on good faith. They can still go on, you know what I'm saying? This is only contingency plan in the worst case scenario type deal. No, they decided to make it common ground and common regular behavior by the NFL offices, right? And it wasn't even like they had a, like a, a clear, especially – uh, uh, until recently, I don't even think still, they still even have a clear process where they even tell teams, we're going to review it. We're going to give you an answer within this amount of time. We're going to take these certain steps. They just like, we're investigating it. And some players wait a whole season before they get their consequence a year later for something they did two years ago. Because the NFL is like, we're going to do it in due time. And which is important to take time to do a proper investigation and be thorough. I'm not going to say that they're maybe not doing that. But what I'm saying is that there is like just a cancer culture. Man, we can go back you know, to your tweets from four or five years ago, and you're going to get canceled for that. When you was a teenager and you wrote this tweet, you're going to get canceled for that. Like, the same process about how they adjudicate people's, uh, you know, uh, judgment is similar. It's that it, there isn't there isn't a clear, you know, same formula. There isn't a clear structure for it. It's kind of like on the whims of the morality that the, that the, the powerful body or the powerful mentality gets to then dictate on these people. So... I don't know, man. I, I think there's something like with the power the NFL had to be able to, you know, saying have this media platform that's just so big and so many people around the country, men and women watch it. Like, I think it definitely groomed and primed our society to be accepting or more easily manipulated into accepting cancel culture and cancel culture. Like there you see they're starting to see the pushback in the last like couple of year or so but it's it, it it took over you know what I'm saying? i don't so. see it because the people who are running cancel culture has nothing to do with the nfl if anything cancel culture kind of caught fire during the me too movement and trust me i don't think that had anything to do with I the think, nfl i, I think everything's tied together man especially when you got media large media platforms that all cross over in different areas and if they influence in one way they can influence the other sides of those, you know, crossovers. I think it's a direct correlation, though. I could, <laughs> I, I, I can break it down scientifically, but my opinion is a scientific fact. Well, Jared, I got some beachfront <laughs> property I want to sell you <laughs> on on Twenty Seventh and in Athens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on Twenty Twenty Seventh. You got some beachfront property I got some beachfront property I want to sell you in Lancaster, California. Exactly. <laughs> right next to this fishing hole. And used to be All right, well, Lancaster. My my, my oh, next shit. question, I guess, my next question question of the day is oh, for a long time there had been talks and shout out to my buddy Andrew and Victor. I was having a conversation with them last night and I had this another little, you know, not epiphany, but just a thought pop in my head. Hey, you should have had them on the show. Call them up. They're afraid to talk real talk. They're ta- they're afraid to oh, talk real talk. On. Maybe I'll get them on here one of the day, one of these days, you know what I'm saying? But my question is, we, we talked about Kanye West a little bit last week and him being the richest black man in America, black person in America, right? <laughs> oh my God, dude. My question is, oh. okay, so so typically, you know what I'm saying, black excellence, black achievement has been tied, especially in our country, to monetary, you know what I'm saying, achievements in a lot of ways, or being the first to do something. But um, b- being a black billionaire, like, comes with a certain level of prestige now, right? And like oh. they, people, people talk about like Oprah and Jordan and some of these other people. Well, making it as a billionaire or making it as a super successful business person is an important thing. And you have an air of prestige. You have an air of honor to you, right? Especially since there's so few black billionaires and black, you know, saying multimillionaires and CEOs of companies in our country, right? And in the world in general, uh, you could say. So my question is, did the Illuminati or somebody purposely make Kanye the richest black person so they could take away the shine from what it means to be a black billionaire. Why, so I can fall in love with some cute black man that teaches white people everything they know about the shrimp industry before they kill him 30 minutes into the movie? Huh? Hey, why don't you walk down that tunnel, black man? Hey, black man, turn on the generator. This dinosaur is out there. Hey, black man, look out. He's got a gun. Jared, I wish you had told me you was coming with these wild ass conspiracies so I could finish drying my clothes in the laundry right now. <laughs> uh, instead of them sitting there. 
I'm gonna let Pedro talk while I go put my clothes in the dryer real quick. And that was my opinion right there. That these last two sentences, my opinion on what you said. In sports news, Kevin Durant was fined fifty thousand dollars for his misogynistic, as classified misogynistics and homophobic messaging he sent to Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport came out this week after a disagreement in a, in a spat with uh, KD and posted screenshots of their IG messages. Once again, KD, too sensitive on social media or nah? I would think by this time, KD would have grew up. But, <laughs> uh, I guess we're not going to go there. I guess he's not going to make it. I'm saying that, and I know people that they're, they're well into their 50s. I thought they were going to grow up. That's a person that's going to be who he is. And it ain't, it, I don't, I don't see, I don't see him changing. Knowing good and well. But with that being said, um, like everybody else on sports news or is talking about it, uh, all the pundits, Michael Rappaport, that was the most bitch made move ever. <laughs> what kind of whole shit was that? <laughs> You a man and you worry about another man, so you gonna screenshot his DMs? What are you, a uh, 13-year-old girl? What the hell is wrong with a man that that just tells the world, hey, this is what KD doing and he bullying me? What kind of man are you? I'm, I'm starting to, Michael Rappaport is starting to, yeah, he, just a couple of people on the internet start to get to me. They, they don't know how to internet the right way. Uh, him? Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, and I love this guy, uh, Talib Kweli, always giving in to whatever, anything somebody posts on his thing, he bringing it up. Look what this, this girl said about me. What, look what this guy said about me. He's a racist. We, we know people are racist. Why are you giving those people attention? Just just rap. Damn. <laughs> but no, Rapper Perch's been doing this. He's been doing, he's been acting like this for a minute. He's... He's got under a couple of people's skin. And this is, this is some of the most bitch stuff I've seen. If y'all have a conversation, you having a conversation. The world don't need to know about that. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, for me, I agree with you, Pedro. Like, Michael Rapport, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to, you know, stay relevant in some way. And he still, he still has a shine from, you know, jobs he's done and the characters he's played in movies and whatnot. So he's still a famous person. He's still going to be able to – he's going to be fine. Um, with his money and all that. But at the same time, posting messages that's going on between you two, for me is, yeah, I I, I can't respect that. You don't screenshot messages out of context and just put them up there on so people can just all of a sudden like start feeling sorry for you. That is some manipulative, like feel sorry for me type bullshit. Cause you don't even see, you don't see much of what Michael Rapport says. Now KD on the other hand was going on a rant and I don't know why KD, <laughs> you know, he needs to get back on that court cause he got too much time on his hand. KD needs to, needs to fix that hamstring, needs to fix that ankle, needs to fix whatever it is, get on the court and spend less time on social media, period, point yeah. blank. Wait, so did it start off as a private conversation, Jared? It or was, did it start off? It was a private conversation. It was in the d- direct messages. I mean, but that doesn't make it private. Like uh, someone could direct message me talking shit, and I don't. That I ain't trying to start a conversation with you. Well, this is the first one. It looks like it looks like Michael Rapport had tweeted saying some shit, talking shit about. Uh, but he tweeted, KD so it was out in the open. In his feelings, right? So you see, the that's game. the thing. It looked like it was out in the open, and then the problem was KD took it to DM, so he could go a little. Which I have no problem with that, because you know it's private. Um, with him going to the DMs. Here's the thing. Kevin Durant should not be mad about what Michael Rapport is saying about him on social media. There's so many people who are mad, like talking shit about you on social media. So I get it that, you know, Michael Rapport has, they've met before in person, like once, I believe Michael Rapport is a New York fan. He's a, he's, he's, you know, he's a Brooklyn fan. So yeah, like, you know, you're a prominent figure in as a Brooklyn fan. Don't talk shit about me and, you know, you know, keep my name out of your mouth. That's all he had to say. Just like, Hey man, I don't want you talking about me. If you're going to talk, if you're going to talk negatively about me, just don't even say anything about me at all. Leave it at that instead of being getting super aggro. He must see this thing. He needs to get on that court because he got angsty. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, they said it best here. See, that's why see these men nuts busy. See, they got to keep their nuts busy. And KD ain't been able to keep his nuts busy on that court. So he like, man, I got to keep my nuts busy on this IG and on this Twitter because he can't flex on nobody on the court right now. 
See, and, and see, I didn't know that KD. See, this is the problem. I think it's twofold, right? I don't think there's any right in this situation, like you said, with Michael Rappaport reporting out. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> like like what he made was a was a public tweet. Yeah, that, and it was about KD's interview where he went where KD was, you know get sour at TNT again. And it's, and I agree, like, don't do the interview or just say, no, I'm not doing the interview today. It's, it's a twofold problem. You know, those are the things that, that helps, that brings in the money that helps pay him and gives him the money and be able to have the career and the life he wants to live. Mm-hmm. And with that comes uh, the criticism that he doesn't like or can't take. Extra scrutiny, yeah, yeah. He can't take any scrutiny, it feels like. Well, that's the thing. And, and I think that's something they need to tell these athletes. Like, you are going to get unfair scrutiny. You're going to get unnecessary scrutiny if at they times. know that, I think he just can't take it. I don't think other, they, other athletes I don't think know they it. Know other that. athletes take it. I think other, other athletes have it. Oh, I think other athletes have realized it, but I think that other athletes feel like every piece of scrutiny has some kind of valid base behind it. And they have to like, or at least in KD's, like nobody taught him like motherfuckers are going to talk bad about you because you're a public figure. And yeah, you can, you have feelings and that shit might affect you. And that's, that's, that's a conversation about, you know, athletes or prominent, you know, figures, mental health and, and the way the world shapes them or impacts them. But at the same time, like, just know, like, because you're a public figure, you're going to get stuff that's not even, like, not even relevant. People are going to say shit about you that's not even relevant to who you are as a person, mm-hmm. not even relevant to what you've done as as an athlete or as an entertainer or as a person. And you got to just, like, ignore that shit. Don't even, don't, like, Cameron came on and was like, he's blocked, like, over 200,000 people. He's like, don't be on my page if you want to say negative shit. If you want to be here and enjoy my shit, like, I, I'm here to, you know, this is my page, this is my space. Then enjoy it. If you're gonna talk shit and say negative shit, you won't get blocked. Yeah, you know that's, and, that's part of it. You block them. It's it, it's twofold. KD just really has a hard time with the Jared. Other athletes, yeah, they hear it. We just they just don't put it out there. Yeah, they hear it. They get the shit. I remember hearing Shannon Sharp saying about blocking people. Like you just do it and you just keep moving on. KD can't move on. And then some of the stuff is like he can't take any criticism. That's the problem. If I look at it on KD's part, but then my other problem I have is the privacy part. And that, like I don't think Michael Rapport. I ain't gonna lie. I might have not done it. I don't know. I haven't been in this situation. If someone's hitting me up privately and I'm like, look, dude, I, I did everything in the public. You hit me up privately. I'm going to make this pro- public again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before it becomes a he said, she said, and this and that. You know, I, I don't know if Kevin DeBrett was trying to make this private because I could see this. Private things need to stay private. Like like I, I told you before, Jared, this comes down to the Donald Sterling thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't agree with anything Donald Sterling said or how he lived his life and who he was, but that was a private conversation with what with, with his re- someone he was in some type of relationship with. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, when is a private conversation a private conversation? I think it was whack that he posted it. It's just start in December and it's fucking, it's fucking March and it's still going on. Yeah. So maybe he's like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. I think that. it was, I think it was, I think it was whack that he posted it. But at the same time, like it starts with KD not being able to take that criticism. And it's been, this has been a reoccurring issue with KD not being able to let shit go and not, you know, have these, these egg accounts. Bro. And and just grow up, man. Like just like let's just slide off your shoulder. People talking about you, they talking about you. Um, anyways, I guess my question is who's the worst person in this case? Is it uh Rapport for reporting this or is it KD for not being grown enough just to let this shit go and writing all Can this we call, let's let's do this. Let's call a let's call this uh uh one of those NFL ties. You know you can tie somebody in the yeah. NFL or in hockey or in uh soccer. It's a tie because both of them have been doing this for a while. I agree. It's an NFL tie. I'm having a hard time. I might have to go with KD. If it's a tie, it's not a hockey tie or or a soccer tie because they used to ties. NFL, mm-hmm. you ever see an NFL locker room after a tie? Everybody acting like they lost. The coaches, the players. You, know, you see a soccer game after a tie, they're like, there's always one team happy in a tie, at least in a soccer game and in hockey. Hockey doesn't have ties anymore because they do the shootout. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but but soccer, they get super excited. They're like, you know, you know, like, oh, man, especially you're the weaker team and you either got a lucky goal at the end or, or if you were the better team that was losing the whole match, you got a goal at the end, you're like, dude, we didn't lose. I am leaning more towards KD, man. You got to also know if you put shit – if you type something, threats to someone, it could, it could get out. I, I mean, I don't see what Michael Rapport did as being that bad, right? 
Like, it's one thing if me and you were going back and forth and like, I'm giving you the business and I'm talking shit. And then I'm like, hey man, he over here threatening me, man. Like I started bagging on him and I'm leaving that shit out. That's fine. But it's like, dude, don't type the shit up. As soon as you type it up. Well, I like how KD was like, 10 a.m., catch a steak on the corner. Meet me there. <laughs> Where did it say that? No, hold on. I didn't read this Down page. the bottom. <laughs> oh. I'm going to spit in your face when I see your ass. <laughs> oh, your I, I, might, I might change my cutty corner after what I just seen. 10 o'clock. He said 10 o'clock. So he was just going off. I mean, he was KD rolling. was trying to really get gangster, though. So I <laughs> why Rapport would be felt a little bit off. Man, but I'm telling you, he might have felt threatened because he didn't report it back in December when this shit started. It just, I can just imagine I didn't stop. And I feel like there's a lot more. These are just the highlights. I feel like there's a lot more text behind this. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, this just in. This just in. What what would Michael B. Jordan do? Kobe. Michael B. Jordan just had some new unpleasant DMs sent to him by Kevin Durant, calling him all kinds of bitches and motherfuckers. Aaron, what would Michael B. Jordan do? I'm going to have to talk to the NBA. I'm Michael B. Jordan. I'm going to make that call to Donald Sterling. And to, oh, he, he no longer rang. I'm going to make that call to David, David Stern. Oh, he no longer rang. I guess I'm going to talk to whoever in charge now and tell them they got to give you the Donald Sterling treatment and take that, take that phone off your hands. <laughs> I'm going to do it all. But then I'm going to be in Space Jam. And I'm going to tell LeBron. I'm gonna take this ball off your hands. <laughs> I'm Michael B. Jordan. I'm the only person that's allowed to have a shirt off in Space Jam. <laughs> Is he in a Space Jam? I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not watching this Space Jam either. I didn't watch the first one. Why the hell am I gonna watch this one? Michael B. Jordan. I didn't magically <laughs> age backwards, Jared. I ain't watching this Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I was too old for the other one. I'm sure as hell not watching this one. <laughs> I want to see Michael B. Jordan try and portray Shannon Sharp in a biopic. Come on. <laughs> you think he would get the accent be silly right? Silly just like he did in Just Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. He only got one kind of accent, Wakandan. <laughs> he's East Oakland, Wakandan. y'all well we are here with special guests who's popping in today our new orleans jungle ball correspondent and our black people saving wait oh, sorry 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 black people saving baseball analyst pal mr lito p what's up pal man how are y'all happy to be on on this beautiful sunday afternoon happy to have you on man how are things going out there we're at St. Rock Park in the 8th Ward, uh, right by the cemetery. And um, our game was earlier today, but uh, the game right now is the uh, game of the week, Twin City versus the Monarchs, which are both um, uh, kind of legacy teams in the league who, you know, are always, you know, deep, deep, make deep playoff runs. And uh, both teams got a lot to prove this year. And so uh, that's kind of who's playing right now. And there's a lot of energy, people selling food, music, just chilling. And actually a lot of the players from earlier games still around to watch. So. And then actually, it's a beautiful field. We got kind of classic New Orleans houses here, the cemetery right there, and then the big St. Rock Church right there. So, okay, nice. uh, this is the surrounding environment. How many games are they playing in a year in a season? Uh, I think each team probably has about 20 games. I mean, we have four different uniforms. So, I think uh, at least <laughs> we, if we want to use them each about five times, I think we got to play 20 games. <laughs> Wait, so who won the title last year? Um, the Tigers, uh, won the title last year and, um, they are set to, uh, be a dominant team again this year. Uh, they added some players and, uh, they won big earlier today as well. So yeah, the Tigers are the team to beat. They got the, the big icy rings, you know, with championship and Tigers on it. And, uh, so they're all wearing their jewelry here today and, uh, you know, letting it be known that they're the champs. And so this is the first week of games this week, or was it last week? Right? Yes, yes. This is this is opening day today. It's opening day. We are at opening day at the Jungle Ball in the eighth ward of New Orleans. This is tight. So, pal, I got to get to something. I heard, I heard that there was, I wouldn't say a coup, but I hear you're playing for a different team this year, and that there was maybe a 
you know, I wouldn't call it collusion, but there might have been a mass exodus of players from one team to other teams. So can you tell us about what happened? What, what transpired that make you switch teams? So after last year's uh, kind of not so successful campaign on the uh, Indians, this, this trade took place. So when the Tigers won the title, uh, the team that loses the World Series has to pay for the nightclub of the team that won. So, and so, so we were at the, a lounge called the Truth Lounge um, on Tulane and Broad. And so the Twins, they lost to the Tigers. So they had to pay for the open bar and food for the whole league to come party for the, they have to pay for the, the tiger celebration party. Basically that night is like all the managers, all the players, all the, um, you know, just different, different stakeholders in the league are always, you know, at that championship party. I was in the building and, um, the ladies were in the building. I just want to say, but basically what happened was a lot of people start to get to drinking and, you know, a lot of trades, trades take place. And so that night in the club, um, I guess some players, the, the core nucleus of our squad um, uh, was frustrated with the losing season and they connected with the Marlins who were another team that had potential, but that couldn't get over the edge. And they orchestrated one of the most like ridiculous trades, like a Jer- Jared would be, Jared would be proud uh, fantasy wise <laughs> of, of this trade. It was basically like our six best players for their six worst players and my homie, uh, who was, was at the club, he was like, pal, um, our team is about to get totally fleeced in this trade. You might want to become a free agent before it gets really ugly over there. So I was like, good looking out. I'm on it. And uh, so, so, yeah, so the Indians, in fact, don't even have a team this year, totally disbanded. And there are players from the Indians kind of spread throughout the league. There's two of us on the, on the Rays, which is my current team few guys on the twins there's you know we just kind of sprinkled out into the 10 teams in the league so yeah so that's what happened to the indians it was hilarious and uh you know i ended up in the right spot i actually think my t- I, I like the rays right now i like the culture there was some toxicity going on in in our in our clubhouse last year and so uh, i'm in a good spot now and um you know it's all love man pal that sound more exciting than the, than the mlb's winter meetings because <laughs> yeah, it set up in a bunch of stuffy white man uh, not telling us what's going on behind closed doors and then finding out players getting traded. You guys do it all out up front. Man, hey, how no. can we get invited to the next one of those? Well, well, you can come down for the Juggle Ball <laughs> World Series. Come down for the Juggle Ball World Series and, and, it, and it's on because, no, absolutely. I mean, just the politicking that was going on in the club that night, like it was, it was classic, man. It was hilarious. I'm trying to figure out. So it's better not to, it's almost better just to get like third or fourth place is what you're saying. Yeah. Though. Yeah. No, it, that's right. It's, it's almost better to get knocked out in the second round than to be in the world series and lose. <laughs> Cause you got to pay for the open bar. Dude, dude, you got dude, you got to pay for the club. You got to pay for the security. You got to pay for the hose. You got to pay for everything. That makes that, but that makes that World Series game exciting because nobody wants to lose it at that point. Facts, exactly, exactly. But if you're going against a juggernaut and you know you ain't got no chance, it's like, man, hey, you might become David real quick. <laughs> right, right. And so this year, just a little forecast: the the Hurricanes were a team that did not play last year, and they have reunited and re-entered, and they're they're definite, and they basically have the ace in the league. Um, their team isn't that isn't that deep on everything else, but you know you know how it is when you got a dominant ace like you know who's just a workhorse. Um, you know you can you can make a deep run. So they're they're kind of a team to look at. Uh, Did he play ball you know, somewhere? All these guys, a lot of the yeah, I you know it's a good question. I don't know about him. Um, a lot of these guys um, are like D one and D two football guys. Yeah. Like there's a there's a few guys on uh, who were like linebackers on LSU on my squad at damn near everybody's outfield used to be like a cornerback or a safety in you know in in the (laughs) SEC there's actually a guy on the Monarchs here who currently is a safety on the Toronto Argonauts in the Canadian Football League since they've been kind of shut down due to COVID that he's down here playing jungle ball so I'm kind of I'm kind of in a unique Uh, role because I I'm not all that athletic but I'm like a skilled baseball player whereas like a lot of these dudes are hella athletic but don't have like hella baseball backgrounds. Yeah, you're like you're like the H and R block guy for all the people who kind of you know get they <laughs> come on dude. get their bills in order. It's like I got the money, I got the skills. <laughs> well, uh, pal, do you have a black people saying baseball uh, for us today at all? I think we need to shout out the um, 
I think his name is Uremi Mercedes of the Chicago White Sox, who yeah. in his first, uh, I think his eight major league at bats went eight for eight yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the Chicago White Sox. And um, that was just incredible. Jared, what are you kind of thinking about as far as uh, the MLB season? You know, what uh, what players are, are you excited about? And um, uh, well, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros seems to be locked in. He's just popping balls everywhere. But one dude that I want to highlight this week, I was talking to Aaron about earlier, is Ramiel Tapia of the Colorado Rockies. He has had a rough first week of baseball uh, after opening day um, because – He's had some plays in the outfield. We'll just say he's had some plays in the outfield that are, that are forgettable. One ball was hit, I believe it was opening day, that wasn't going to go out of the park, but he jumped at the wall, and it hit out of his glove and went over the fence for a home run. I saw that. Um, but because uh, Justin Turner ran back to first and Bellinger passed him, Bellinger ended up being out, but Turner got the run. So it ended up being a, a two-run home run where only one run was scored. Then yesterday, uh, Tapia had another play where he tried to make a play, and he saved the ball from going out of the park. But the ball popped out of his glove and flew back into the park and he hit the wall and then laid there like, fuck, man, I didn't get it. And the people were like, the ball's over there. And he <laughs> laid out like, Damn. and then he got up, ran to get it. But by that point, it was too late and he allowed an inside the park home run. So he's having a tough time in the outfield this week. But he is he is somebody that if I could watch him play outfield and try and rob home runs or play play balls at the wall for the rest of the season, I would. Uh, you know, here's the Black People Saving Baseball hot take is Justin Turner's days in the MLB are numbered. <laughs> uh, but that that play, that play running and his at-bats, um, I feel like he's kind of was the case of a right place, right, right time type of situation. And um, – I really don't think he's that good. I'm sure there's some 16-year-old in the Dominican who is way better than him right now. And, um, uh, yeah, it seems like, you know, he's kind of would be a classic Billy Bean pickup, like, you know, after every other team has passed on him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's going to be he's gonna be that guy who's just going to be a good contact guy. But n- n- he had that one year where he was hitting some home runs, but I think he came back down to earth. Yeah, you're a contact guy. You're a solid hitter, but you, you shouldn't be the three-hitter. And that's why the Dodgers didn't win the World Series when you got him as your three-hitter. You know, once he wasn't your three-hitter anymore, like, the Dodgers had a better chance to win a World Series, so. Right. You know, actually, I think black people saying baseball needs to acknowledge the um, commercial that Tim Anderson did featuring uh, King Vaughn. Uh, rest in peace, King Vaughn. But uh, if anyone knows the, um, you know, importance that King Vaughn played to the South Side of Chicago and the Chicago uh, rap scene and the, and the streets as well, for Tim Anderson of Major League Baseball shortstop to do a commercial, you know, with him, I feel like, you know, is is uh, Tim Anderson really taking the reins of uh, BPSB? Yeah, BPSB. Shout out to Tim Anderson. Sponsorship. Come on our show. Come on our show, Tim Anderson. Timmy. <laughs> Anyways, well, let's get into some uh, some sports news. Some sports well, news. Well, Jared, quickly, um, mm-hmm. do you want to do a little segment with uh, my manager, Justin? Yeah, we could chop, chop it up with him. Yo, Justin. Yo. You ready to holler at uh, some of these guys on the podcast? Yeah, what's up? All right, all right, all right. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, give you the the right ear. Yo, can y'all hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can hear you. What's up? What's up? What's oh, up, he got it. He got it. We're doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Awesome, awesome, man. I see you got the White Sox. That is my new team because they got the most brothers on the team. So yeah. I appreciate you wearing the White Sox hat. That's what's up. We were just talking to Pal about uh, opening day in the Jungle Ball League. So uh, what, what would you say is uh, is your outlook for the season? Well, I think we can do some big things. Uh, my team as a whole, uh, it, it's just like we just won't get better. You can see it. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Uh, when, when each individual you know, work on their, gra- their game and their craft and everything like that, and they see what they're doing wrong, you know, and make it, and you see the adjustment, and that lets you know that they really invest team. Maybe you're dropping your shoulder, or you, uh, you know, you're stepping too early, or whatever like that. And when you see them make them adjustments, that lets you know that they invested in it. They invested yeah. in themselves, and they invested in the team as well. Okay. So that, that's, that's always pretty big for the, the, the team as a whole. How long have you played in this league, the Jungle Ball League? Uh, I've been in the league for at least 13 or 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. How would you describe – what would be the strength of your team? Like, if, like is this a power-hitting team? Is this a, you know no, saying? So, 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 basically, uh, it's a new core of guys. So, right yeah. now, between the, the preseason and the first game, it's like we're trying to find our identity. Yeah. And it's it just basically we're playing together. You know, 
one man not bigger than the team. We're not a power hitting team. Uh, we don't have like the the athleticism wise is not all across the all across the board. But at the end of the day, like you know, we're gonna thrive our plan together. When is the jungle ball league? When did that begin? Uh, uh, 1960 something, I believe. Right. So okay. It's, it's been around for a, a very long time, and uh, I've been watching it since uh, I was a kid. My, my my father played in it. Uh, oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So so it's been around for a, a nice little bit. Okay. 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 1969. All right. 1969. What's up? What's up? If if you look at the the overall players on the on the league in the league, you get a, a lot of guys that could have won. In different directions, so so you know the street life and all kind of different things like that. You kind of avoid it by playing in a league like this because you're around older guys and some of the guys are policemen, they're firefighters, so you know they could kind of talk to you, put you on the side, like look, mm. you know, leave such and such alone, like leave them dudes alone, you know, stick with us or whatever like that. If you need a job. You know, I didn't seen a, a bunch of young dudes that probably like, you know, selling drugs or whatever like that. And an older guy pull them to the side and say, hey, look, you know, if you need a job or whatever, I could get you a job. So you got guys working with sewage and waterboard now mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that and playing ball and playing baseball now mm -hmm. and pretty much change their life. We tend to get a bad rep sometimes because of the fact of, you know, you get a bunch of, you know, people together. Of course, there's going to be the, you know, stuff's going to be flying. We are adults at the end of the day, too. So you're going to have curse words flying and mm -hmm. the competitiveness, you know, it, it gets high. So, so basically, you know, it'll be a lot of rah-rah sometimes, uh -huh. you know, but at the end of the day, it's all love. So, you know, we say our prayer together um, after the game. Yep. And, uh, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we say family, one, two, three, family. My next question is, uh, player comparison. Lito P, pal, what player yeah. would you compare him to? Well, he's definitely a utility guy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he pretty much do it all, each position. Yeah, like Jeff Turner. Uh, Justin Turner. Justin Turner. Yeah. Is he, and he's a pitch, too. He can play the dominant game today, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, what's that? What's that? Is he throwing gas out there? So, so basically, throwing gas only gets you so far. We see that with uh, Chapman all the time. So throwing gas gets you so far. When you pitch from upstairs, from, from, from knowledge, and, hey, you know, maybe I see this guy launching, you know, out too fast, so I'm going to throw him a curveball. Uh, if I see, you know, he a little slow, I'm going to throw him something high and hard. So, so he's pretty much a crafty pitcher. You know, you have some guys that, uh, that just know how to hit their spot, inside, mm -hmm. outside. So, so he definitely a crafty pitcher, pitched some quality in it for us today, and it, it, it led to us uh, getting a victory. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, so Pal over here, Pal over here throwing like Jimmy Moyer. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Love> y'all. Fuck <laughs> y'all. Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs. It's, it's, it's time. Aaron, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? I do. My Cutty Corner shout out this week goes out to uh, just people like, you know, people that lack the understanding that if you got something good, if you got a job, try to keep it. Try to keep it, right? And I mean, people of all levels, like just do what it, try to keep your job, right? And, and this goes out to this world we live in now that everything you do should not be public knowledge, right? Or every thought you have should not be public knowledge. Do what it takes to keep that job. And don't put what you're doing in your private time out in the air for public to see. And this goes out to Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce who decided, hey, you know what? I'm gonna sit here and record myself with a stripper rubbing my neck, poker game going on in the house, another stripper twerking on the ground behind me, and I'm gonna invite another stripper over and tell her she want to come over here and make some money if you in town. If you in LA, stop playing, girl, come make some money, right? 
Paul Pierce, dude, you got a job at ESPN. I don't think you're good at it, to be honest. No one really likes it. You come out with some crazy shit. You can't let your personal bias go. Yeah, said LeBron James is the 10th best player of all time. Then you get on a video that you promote on your Instagram. You go on Instagram Live with strippers twerking, people throwing poker chips at them. Paul Pierce, man, I don't understand. Like, are you not want to live the lifestyle you have? Did you not think and understand like this might affect my job? I have no problem with that as the party you had. You know, you you pay for some services. They were rendering those services. I'm not coming high and mighty. I ain't one of those that come high and mighty of what kind of party you were having. It looked like it was calm. It didn't look like it was like ridiculously crazy. No need for police. The women look happy. Everybody look happy. Problem is you putting it on Instagram. And the next thing you go, you know, I got to hear KG, bitch, about how you've been wrong and how everybody, how you getting wrong and you getting canceled. That's not getting canceled. It's called getting fired. <laughs> it's a difference in the two. There's getting canceled. There's getting fired. You going to get your ass fired. Pedro, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? Okay, I'm going to do two. I forgot the second one because my diabetes is acting up. And uh, the first one is about diabetes acting up. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's it's affecting I thought it was just me Aaron and some family members but it seems to be making its way across the board and it just recently it seems it's getting younger and younger it's funny because pal brought this up in that uh, corporations feeding high fructose, high fructose corn syrup to the, the community in what he was didn't understand, they also doing it to the white community. I've learned of some new white folks just getting diabetes. I've learned of young people having um, diabetic uh, symptoms. I don't know what they might. So this kind of quarter shout out goes out to, I guess, who, who's in charge of of putting um, somebody supposed to regulate diabetes to somebody body God no come on <laughs> no 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 there's something that's, there's something that science is accelerating uh, pancreas is to act out with sugar foots to manifest sooner than it should be um, there's some something to do with the processed sugar uh, the FDA needs to look into because we are. Like I said, there's young people that are suffering from symptoms of diabetes. I've had family members, my grandchildren, actually have episodes of high sugar or symptoms of high sugar being in their streams that didn't affect me and Aaron ate off the donut truck daily. Daily. Two donuts daily. a day. Two donuts a daily. day. Daily. 50 cents. My sugar, I know my sugar was affected by it because I was, I have the double gene DNA. So I have the two genes, you know, from my father and from my mother's side. So I was going to be affected by it. Now they're putting calories in sugar and doing to stretch the sugar to make it more, I guess, manufactured so they can use it in food so they can go ahead and make their 10 million cases of uh, cinnamon toast crunch, whatever they're doing, and putting in soda pops. Um, if you read the label on soda pops, it used to be 50% sugar. Now it's like 48 and 42%. But of what kind of sugar? And something's going on where the FDA is not doing their part and they're checking uh, the science and doing the research. That was my first cutting corner shout out. My second cutting corner shout out, I forgot because my blood sugar is high. Well, my Cutty Corner shout-out. My Cutty Corner shout-out. I don't even know if I really have a Cutty Corner shout-out. I kind of had it. We kind of talked about it a little bit. I guess my Cutty Corner shout-out goes out to the documentary that's on HBO Go. It's called The Day Sports Stood Still. And it's talking about the NBA players who decided 
Did you watch that? No, I have not watched. I wasn't going. <laughs> but it still goes out. My cutty corner shout out goes out to a documentary, and it still goes out to the NBA players. The, some of the voter rights things, I'm gonna give them credit. They they help you know make that a, a bigger issue. I think there was already people who were putting in the work to make voting rights more accessible to people, but they put it more in the spotlight with LeBron James talking about it, and then get them getting the NBA to support and other sports teams to like volunteer their facilities to make voter places for people to safely vote. So I give them credit for that. I'm not taking away credit for what for them stepping down but they're making a documentary about the day sports to still the world stopped sports world stopped mlb hockey you got mlb making moves now to to make a p- political stance after you did this so yeah y'all get some credit but y'all decided to come back a day and a half later be like don't worry we come back when y'all really could have you know instead of kicking the can down the road and doing a little bit then y'all could have picked the can up and carried it down the road to the point that you saw fit you know what I'm saying? Some real changes that you decided were the stipulations of those changes, not the negotiated changes, but you made the world stand still. If that's not power, that's not leverage in that moment, that's not momentum in that moment, then I don't know what is. So to lionize this this, this moment where you made the sports world stand still and then you just came to some some general compromise afterwards, I'm still disappointed in that. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that they didn't do good with it and good isn't being done by what they came to compromise with. But all I'm saying, like I said, is that I was disappointed that y'all could have really picked up that can and carried it down the road and brought it to the point that you thought was fit in this moment in time. And yeah, y'all weren't gonna fix everything. It's too systemized, it's too, it's too ingrained in everything, but y'all could have changed even more. But I give y'all credit. Y'all getting your documentary written about the day y'all made sports stand still. And uh, some good has come from that, but so much more could have come from that. And so much more, like there's nothing saying that what you holding out longer would have stopped all the good that has come from it happening. It's just that more good could have happened and could have expedited some of these processes. But now you got motherfuckers who are making laws to change things back around, change things back and, and, and regain some of that power that y'all, that, that compromise helped, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit. Well, they kicking it back down the road, back towards you a little bit now. But y'all made the sports world stand still. So let's write a documentary about that. Let's talk about how great it was a moment in time. Stop jock riding these motherfuckers for almost doing as much as they could have. That is our show, my friends. That is our show. Uh, any final words you'd like to say to our fans out there? Uh, Jared's still, uh, still stuck on this. He ain't going to never get over this. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. See, see, your dog know it, Aaron. Uh, Pedro, any final words? Just keep taking our medicine, I guess. I guess Big Pharma want us to have this high fructose diabetes. So we can take all this domestic and invaconate and levomere and glucophage and glibazide uh, and genuine. What's oh, Big Pharma pay, pay people. To get diabetes to spread in the community, starting to sound like it. <laughs> Epic conspiracy. They pay people to take the vaccine that gave them the diabetes. Right. Um, all right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our show. We hope you guys have a blessed week and uh, blessed weekend. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, we will leave you with this. Please, I think it's time for a poet. Doom comes like a vacuum. Cause death sucks and smells like a raccoon or a baboon. Death kills us like crack kill Pookie. Like Schwarzenegger kill Tookie. Chewbacca was a Wookie. Revolution. Boo! Hey! Erica Badui! That was real gay, my nigga! Cut that out! Stuff was manipulated in the Bible. That's not the real Bible. Um, they, they use that stuff to to keep power. And so if you look at it, it's a verse for everything that a, a powerful person does. There's a Bible verse for it. So people actually follow those beliefs and believe in those 
everybody knows it's just, which is which is crazy. Everybody knows wasn't the white people in Middle Africa, but they control everything. You know why? Because they had to control the whole thing. So and they took that, manipulated, and they made. Jared, it I'm gonna ask it. And that's what I'm we all want. Do none of these crazy ass conspiracy theories. I leave off. It's a crazy ass conspiracy exactly. theory. I come back, Pedro, talk about the Bible. <laughs> exactly. Because they use these conspiracy the- theories. The-, the Bible is a conspiracy theory. So when can I yell? When can I tell the people who fast forward that it's okay to stop? <laughs> uh, they said the Bible is holy totally here. But they get a tingling all in their nuts where they nuts get bored. <laughs> all right, now how do we go to the Bible to regular sex? I don't know how you made from where Jared was to the Bible either. I was confused. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some news. You missed the good part of the show here. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron. Nah, I don't think I missed anything. I'm okay. (laughs) 